Well, happy Thanksgiving, Bethel. How's everybody doing this morning? I don't know about you, but uh, I had a great week. And uh, I know that nowadays we just kind of breeze past Thanksgiving and head headlong into the Christmas season. But if I can just ask those of you who already have your tree and decorations up just to chill out a little bit on the whole Christmas thing. And to uh, allow those of us who love Thanksgiving just to enjoy our holiday for a couple of days. Can I just ask that, please? And uh, would really appreciate that. Thanksgiving really is uh, my favorite holiday of the year, hands down. But perhaps not for the reason that you might think. For me, Thanksgiving isn't about the family. It's not about the food. It's not even about the football. For me, Thanksgiving means one thing, and that is a hunting trip with my father to West Virginia uh, every year since the age, basically, that I was 10 years old. And so that's what it means to me. In fact, I have never, uh, I've I've actually only once uh, in our entire marriage, I've been married to Eva 13 and a half years, only once have we spent Thanksgiving Day together. That's it. I've always been uh, on this hunting trip with my dad. And I was actually going to show you some pictures of my accomplishments this week. But I figured there would be a few of you who might be offended and get all upset and walk out or something like that. And so if you really want to see how I did this week, you can go to my Facebook page after the service and uh, take a look at those pictures. But we won't show you any here this morning. Now, I realize that there are also some men in the room who are dying to know how I get away with being gone for a major holiday every year. Just dying to know that. And I just have two words for you guys. Prenuptial agreement, all right? (laughs) You got to get these things in writing ahead of time. Ahead of time. Now, before I get myself into too much trouble, I don't have a prenuptial agreement and uh, don't believe in them. But I do have a very patient and understanding wife. And did I say wonderful and a wonderful wife as well? And I would just, uh, yeah, you, you can clap for her. That's fine. That's fine. I, and I would actually encourage you because normally what happens in these messages when I share something about my wife, um, you run out and tell her and I haven't told her yet and you get me in a lot of trouble. But here I've said something nice. So you, she's not here today. And so you can go out and tell her all that you want uh, and make me look good. So you can help me out with that. Anyway, it's time to get serious. And so please take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. It's my job here this morning to wrap up uh, this message and our service together by looking at what the New Testament has to say about the subject of thanksgiving. Wes blessed us this morning by taking a look at the Old Testament meaning and expression of the term. And so now we're going to turn and see what the New Testament authors have to say regarding this important aspect of the Christian life. And as you turn there, I have an admission that I need to make a little bit. I really need to admit to you that when Steve gave me this assignment a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't very excited. Okay, And it wasn't because I wasn't excited to preach. I'm always looking forward to preach. But when he said the topic would be Thanksgiving, I actually inwardly did a little bit of a yawn. You know what I mean? I mean, here we are coming off of a Thursday and Thanksgiving. We're all a little sluggish. We still got that tryptophan in our blood. You know what tryptophan is, right? Tryptophan is that little chemical in Turkey that makes you really, really sleepy. And I'm thinking, I got to talk about Thanksgiving and try to get all of these people out of their post-Thanksgiving meal sluggishness. 
Thankfully, I was smart enough not to say anything. And what has happened over the last couple of weeks is that the Holy Spirit has really done a work in my life and has opened up my eyes and my heart to the significance and the importance of gratitude and thanksgiving in the Christian life. And I'm hoping that he's going to do the same for you here this morning. And so what I hope that the Holy Spirit will do, will take this message and it won't be just a nice little holiday message to make you feel warm and nice and good and let you go home and eat some more food, but rather this this will be a transformational time in the word as we talk about a subject that is extremely important to the Christian life. Al Mola wrote in his blog this week that Thanksgiving is a deeply theological fact and it is a key to understanding what we really believe about God, about ourselves, and the world that we experience. And so my hope that is that the Holy Spirit will come and work and help us to understand how important being thankful to God really is. Now, believe it or not, the Bible actually has a lot to say about Thanksgiving. In fact, in the New Testament, there are over 40 or actually over 50 references to thanks and thanksgiving. And I just want to, with you this morning, look specifically at three that summarize for us very well what the New Testament teaches about Thanksgiving. And what we're going to do, do something a little bit different here this morning. We're actually going to turn to passages instead of them being on the screen. Okay, this will allow you to get a little exercise, even if it's just in your fingers here, okay? And they're all really close together, so we can do this pretty quickly. First, we'll start with Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 15 with me. Paul says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but we filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's pretty easy to see what the key verse is here, right? Verse 20, look at it again. We are to give thanks, how often? Always for everything to whom to whom to god okay all right we're going to have to wake up okay we're to give thanks for everything at all times to whom to god to god all right turn with me to first thessalonians 5 if you go from ephesians to philippians to colossians the next uh, book is first thessalonians chapter 5 it's probably like four or five pages in your bible so first thessalonians chapter 5 we're going to pick up in verse 16 this is the passage that we looked at in our prayer services a couple of weeks ago first thessalonians 5 16 it's really not that far okay you can do this all right verse 16 paul says rejoice always Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you came to Bethel today and you're wondering what God's will is for your life, what God wants you to do, I can confidently tell you what it is. And that is the fact that he wants you to be thankful for everything at all times in all circumstances. You take these two passages together, Ephesians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5. Do you see something that's repeated over and over again? Lots of things that we could pick out. We see things that are repeated over and over again. They're all inclusive terms, such as all and everything at all times in all circumstances 
What's Paul trying to get across? He's trying to get across to us the fact that thankfulness should be a part of our life all the time, in every circumstance, for everything. It's interesting to me how God's sovereignty works in our lives, specifically when we're getting prepared to preach messages. He oftentimes gives me the opportunity to practice what I preach. And he did this again yesterday. Yesterday, noon, almost exactly noon, I'm sitting in my office over here. I've been gone this week, and so I needed to come and really get the message ready and finalized yesterday. I just finalized my first draft, had it printed out, sitting down at my desk, and I get a call that uh, my seven-year-old daughter is being rushed to the emergency room. And long story short, the animal kingdom decided to get revenge on me yesterday and she was attacked by a large dog, dog about twice of her size. And she ended up, we ended up most of our afternoon yesterday was in the emergency room and she's getting stitched up. She's getting staples in her head and stitches in her leg and all over the place. And it was just interesting to me. And by the way, uh, it's interesting that God was just saying, okay, here you go. You're going to preach tomorrow and being thankful, actually tonight, being thankful in all circumstances. You're not ready to preach. Here you go. And so I did have the opportunity to be thankful and still do today. I'm thankful that she wasn't bitten on the face. I'm thankful that her grandfather was there to get the dog off before he did more damage. I'm thankful for good medical care that we have. I'm thankful for St. Anthony's Hospital Emergency Room. And I'm thankful that she's right now at home and she can't, she's, I think, milking it for all that she's worth. (laughs) She told me before I left this today that she wanted breakfast in bed and that mommy wasn't coming when she called. So, uh, She's learned from the best. Anyways, um, but I am thankful. But God gives us those opportunities to practice what we preach. But the New Testament is very clear that we're to be thankful for everything in all circumstances. And it's interesting that we're not just to be a little bit thankful, but a lot thankful. And so let's look at one other passage, Colossians chapter 2. Flip back about three pages. Colossians is right before 1 Thessalonians. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to pick up here in verse 6. And Paul has another section here where he'll talk to us about Thanksgiving. And he says this to the church of Colossae. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. One note for you here. In all three of these passages that we have just looked at, Paul is talking about what the Christian life looks like. And while there is no one passage in Scripture that we can turn to and say, this is the passage where God tells us what thanksgiving is supposed to be, one long passage. We see thanksgiving in almost all of the sections in the New Testament where Paul specifically is talking about what the Christian life looks like. When you see a description of what the Christian life is supposed to look like, it almost always includes thankfulness. And here Paul says that we're not supposed to be just a little bit thankful. We're supposed to be abounding in thankfulness. You could also interpret that word abounding as overflowing. And you all know what overflowing means, right? Think about your plate on Thursday during the meal, okay? During your Thanksgiving meal. What did your plate look like? 
We should have Tony give this illustration here. What did Tony's plate look like? Can you imagine? All right, you've got the turkey, and you've got the mashed potatoes, and you've got the gravy, and you've got the green bean casserole, and maybe you've got the cranberries, and you've got the sweet potatoes. You've got so much stuff on that plate. Maybe even some of you tried to shove a piece of pumpkin pie on there. And so you've got so much food on that plate that it's just falling off and it's overflowing. And what Paul is telling us is that that's what our life is supposed to look like. Our life is supposed to look like overflowing so that there's no more thankfulness that we possibly can have. Not just a little thankful, not just being thankful on Thanksgiving and maybe on Sunday at church. We're supposed to be thankful all the time for everything in all circumstances. And it's supposed to be a lot of Thanksgiving. This week I saw a church sign that really summarizes the New Testament teaching on Thanksgiving very well. And I need to tell you before I give you this quote here that I'm not really a fan of church signs. You know what I'm talking about with church signs? Like marquees that have these little sayings on them all the time. Not a big fan. In fact, we don't have one here. And as long as I have anything to say about it, we never will. But the, normally the churches, they have these sayings or quotes on these signs that make you really wonder if they want people to actually come to their church. You know what I'm talking about? Like in a heat wave in the middle of July, the sign that says, you think this is hot? Okay. Or maybe, maybe you, yeah, maybe you've seen this, maybe you've seen this one. In fact, you have seen this. So I've seen this one a lot. Uh, the one that says CH and then space and then CH and then it says what's missing? You know what it is? What? Say it. You are. Really? Okay. My favorite though is the one that says, you know, we're not Dairy Queen, but we have great Sundays. And uh, yeah. Some night I'm going to go out and put some black gear on and change all of those signs up and say something. Do not put anything else stupid on your sign or something like that. But anyways, I finally found one this week that I really, really like. And the church sign said this, for the Christian, Thanksgiving isn't simply a day, it is a way of life. For the Christian... Thanksgiving isn't simply a day, it's a way of life. And that's what the New Testament tells us. That for the Christian, Thanksgiving isn't something that we just practice once a year. It isn't something that we just practice when we gather together as a church. Rather, it's an attitude by which we live and it's an action by which we express how God has richly blessed us. It's an action and it's an attitude. And I want to show you one more passage in the scripture that brings home for us why being thankful is so important. And we'll have it here on the screen. You don't need to turn there, but it's from Romans chapter 1, Paul's epistle to the Romans. And this is one of the most revealing and shocking passages in all of scripture. And Paul says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Unbelief in a person's life is displayed through a lack of honor and thankfulness. And basically for Paul, he says an unthankful heart is an unregenerate heart. An unthankful heart is an unregenerate heart. To quote Al Mohler again, a lack of proper thankfulness to God is a clear sign of basic godlessness. If you see someone who is unthankful to God, that indicates very clearly that they are unregenerate and do not know him. Because those of us who really do know the Lord and have come to experience his blessings, we are going to be thankful. The opposite of the coin really is, is that a proper thankfulness to God is a clear sign of godliness, not godlessness. And for Paul, 
An unbeliever equals unthankful, and a believer equals thankful. You get what's at stake here? Does this maybe now Thanksgiving take on a whole different spin for you? Do you understand why Thanksgiving is so important? Do you understand that this is a distinguishing mark of the Christian life? I just want to ask you here this morning. Are you thankful? Are you a thankful person? Is this something that is evident in your life? Maybe the best way to ask this question is to say, what would the people who know you the best and who are closest to you, what would they say about you? You have to answer this for yourself. I can't. But what would your neighbors or your coworkers, or maybe specifically your family say? If they were asked, is this person a thankful person, what would they say? Is that a distinguishing characteristic of your life? And I would suggest to you this morning that if it's not, something serious is wrong and something serious needs to change today. Today. The scripture is clear that it should be a distinguishing mark in our life. I'm afraid that for most of us, if not all of us, and I would include myself in this, that when when it comes to Thanksgiving, we are in many ways what I would call a practical atheist. Do you know what a practical atheist is? A practical atheist is a person who says that they believe in God or they assent to the fact that there is a God, but they deny him by the way that they act and the way that they live. And when it comes to the matter of thankfulness, I'm afraid that many of us, including me, at many times are practical atheists. Yes, we would assent to the fact that what we have comes from God. We would say, yes, that he has given this to us, but we would deny him by the way that we talk and the way that we act and even the way that we think. We would say, yes, God has blessed me, but we really believe and we really act as if we're the ones that are responsible for the blessings that we receive. And so the most important question for us here on this Thanksgiving weekend is how do we fight this? How do we fight our practical atheist tendencies? How do we fight our sin and our pride? How do we fight the tendency that we have to think that we deserve what we get? Or even worse, we think that we deserve better than what we have. How do we fight that? That's what I want to share with you here in the rest of our time. I want to give you this morning three ways that we can live a more thankful life and then we will be done. Three ways to live a more thankful life. First of all, we need to keep the proper perspective. We need to keep the proper perspective. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, several months ago we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And when we came to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we saw that Paul was just getting all over the Corinthians for their pride and their arrogance and how they thought they were intelligent and smart and better than everybody else. And when we came to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, there was a verse, verse 7, that I have to tell you rocked my world and still is to this day. A verse that I may even make my life verse. It says this, what do you have that you did not receive? Paul asked them this. What do you have that you did not receive? Now, Paul doesn't answer this question in the text because it's a rhetorical question, right? But I think it will be helpful for us to answer it together today. What is the answer to this question? Paul asks us, what do we have today that we weren't given by God? The answer to that is nothing. Nothing. We have absolutely nothing today that we did not receive by the hand of God. I want you to take a moment and think of all the blessings that you have today. Your family, 
I realize most of you are ready for your family to go home at this point. But you are thankful for your family, your home, your vehicles, your food, your talents, your intelligence, your income, the fact that you live in America, and most significantly, your faith. Where do all of these things come from? They come from God. I know this is a hard pill to swallow, but it's not because you're smarter than everybody else. It's not because you're better than everybody else. It's not because you work harder than everyone else. It's not because you're real intelligent. You have what you have because God gave it to you. Now, I can't stand up here today by myself. You realize that if God's ready for me to stop breathing, I stop bre- I don't breathe on my own. You don't breathe on your own. When God's ready for you to stop breathing, you stop breathing. I can't talk on my own. I can't preach on my own. I could say, you know, I've worked really hard on this message. Some of you are saying you should have worked harder. I realize that. But I'm only able to work hard because God allows me to work hard. I only have what I have because he gave it to me. I can't claim credit for anything that I have or that I do or that I am. It all comes from him. And keeping the proper perspective is absolutely essential. Because when we do, it's much easier to have a heart of gratitude. It's when we actually begin to think that we get the blessings because of us. Or that we deserve the blessings that we don't have and we should. We get this entitlement attitude. You know how we as Americans get this entitlement attitude that we're entitled to these things? We're not entitled to anything but health, friends. That's all, that's all that we're entitled to. You know, sometimes my kids tell me, you know, that's not fair. My response to them is, you know what fair is? Fair is hell. That's what fair is. It is. That's what we deserve. We don't get hell as believers. We get heaven. Everything on, on top of that is icing on the cake. We don't deserve anything. And when we have that perspective and we understand that everything that we have comes from God and we're not entitled to any of it, Then we see everything that we do have as a blessing from him and not something that he owes us. Second, we need to develop a deep understanding of God's sovereign goodness. Now, we talk about this at Bethel a lot. I understand that. But it really, really is very, very important that we understand deeply God's sovereign goodness and grace towards us. Do you realize that it's impossible to obey the command to be thankful for all things at all times in all circumstances unless you actually believe that God is sovereignly working for your good? You can't look at a circumstance that looks really, really bad and say, I'm thankful for that if you don't believe that God's actually going to take that and work it out for your good. If you don't believe Romans 8, 28, deeply, Put it up there, please. And we know that for those who love God, all things. You see that all again? Be thankful in all circumstances because God's working all of those circumstances for our good. This is not just a passage that we can quote. We need to believe it deeper and deeper and deeper all the time. Because when we believe this and we understand that, then when the difficult circumstances come, we can say, okay, I know I can't see how God's going to work this out, but I believe and trust that his word is true and he's going to work this for my good so I can be thankful for that. So I can look at my daughter as they're putting staples in her head and I can say, this hurts her a lot and it's hurting me even worse right now, it feels like. But you know what? God's going to use this for some good and I'm going to be thankful that this circumstance has occurred. 
Now, it's easy to say that. It's much harder when you're sitting in the hospital looking at it. But it is reality, folks. God is working all things for our good. Lastly, if we're going to grow in gratefulness, we have to learn to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Let me explain to you what this means. Maybe you've not heard this before. But to me, this is the most basic, simple, and important step that we as believers need to take. And that is every day, we've got to keep the gospel in our minds so that we need to preach it to ourselves over and over and over again. We need to do this for two reasons. Because on the one hand, the gospel helps us to remember and to keep in light the proper perspective. And that is the fact that we're sinners— terrible sinners. We're on the way to hell. We're in a desperate situation. We're in grave danger and we have no hope. That even our goodness, our righteous works are like filthy rags. On our own, we we have no hope. But the gospel, on the other hand, also tells us that we have a great savior. You know, that's what the gospel is, right? I'm a great sinner, but I've got a great savior. We have a perfect one who came and lived a perfect life that we could not live. He was both fully man and fully God. He lived a perfect life and they hung him on a Roman cross. But he came back to life again for our justification. And now through faith in him, God has promised to take my sin, to cast it into the sea separate me from it as far as the east is from the west, to make me holy in his sight, and to give me eternal life in him forever. That's what the gospel is. And so I need it because it keeps me in perspective of what I would be without Christ, but it also helps me to understand what I am in Christ. And as I review the gospel every day, it produces in me a great heart of thankfulness. As I remember that there's nothing that I did to deserve this, but Christ has given it to me freely. This is the gospel. And I would tell you here that because of this, you realize that our biggest problem by far is gone. Do you realize that? We all come in here with struggles and trials and problems today. But Paul tells us that those trials, no matter how big they are, they're light and momentary. They're fading away. That Christ has won for us an increasing glory. Glory that's greater than them all. And we're going to spend eternity with him. And in that eternity, there will be no more pain. There will be no more hurt. There will be no more tears. There will be no more problems. There will be no more sickness. None of it. It's gone. Can we be thankful for that today? And in light of that, in light of the cross and the gospel and our eternity... We can look at our circumstances and we can say, thank you, Lord, that this is only temporary and you're going to use it to get me ready for glory. The writer of Hebrews said it this way, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And then let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Hey, friends, listen, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken by anything, anything. And so let's respond with thankfulness in our hearts, with reverence and awe. And so when you wake up in the morning, thank the Lord that he's going to give you another day to serve him. And as you eat your meals, thank the Lord that he has provided for you food for that day. 
And as you lay your head on your pillow at night, thank him for the sustaining grace that he gave you to make it through that day. And at all times, in all ways, in all circumstances, for all things, thank him for the cross. Thank him for the cross. And as you do that, you will find yourself more thankful and also you will find yourself more joyful in him today.